with so many podcasts out there, shows can get lost in the shuffle. That's why we implore you to check out Too Many Captains. You can find us at a moviepodcast.com. Five unique takes on Hollywood movies and culture. Find us on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Check our intellectual deep dives into theatrical films. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions. Unique takes on soundtracks. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this is Collateral Cinema, the movie podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so smoke if you got them. Smoke it all if you've got them, exactly. And we are visiting, or should I say revisiting, quite the uh, cult classic here, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Ash's pick right here, and it's our first Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, so I I have been wanting to get into Mel Brooks movies for a while now, you know, on the podcast, and I I thought this was the perfect opportunity because last season we did the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Uh, Before that, we did Fanboys, right, Robert? Oh, yeah, that was a good time. Oh, totally. It was. Great time. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of felt like the next, like, logical, you know, path in that trajectory was uh, Spaceballs. Well, I mean, when you really get down to it, it it's essentially a fan film, just like Fanboys, you know? Oh, it, very it, much so. I mean, th- apparently this movie was made with a lot of love. I mean, I mean, I mean, there was no real cynicism coming from Mel Brooks here. He was like, I love Star Wars. I love space movies. It's like, I want to make a honest-to-goodness spoof of a spaceship movie. So, but he still had to get um, permission from George Lucas. Mm. Remember, there was a caveat, though, right? Yep. No merchandising. No merchandising. No merchandising. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's the entire reason that there's even, you know, that whole gag right there is because Lucas said you can't make any toys or anything involving these characters. They look too much like Star Wars characters. Yeah. People get confused. Yeah. But interestingly enough, um, you know, they were able to make, you know, a really funny running gag with that. You know, Spaceballs merchandising jokes. Spaceballs the... uh, Spaceballs the toilet paper. The toilet paper. Spaceballs the placemat. Spaceballs the flamethrower. The flamethrower, yes. Spaceballs the uh, lunchbox. 
Yeah. Lunchbox, yeah. <laughs> and incidentally, uh, George Lucas did love the film, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he thought that it was hilarious. Yeah, so yeah. It, it worked. Um, and I think that's what really works is there's uh, a symbiosis going on here. Mel Brooks loves Star Wars and George, George Lucas loves Spaceballs. Absolutely. And what's funny is that when Spaceballs came out, it was kind of, you know, it was like, what, four years after Return of the Jedi? So, like, it was kind of past the point where it felt relevant. And then, you know, now we've learned that Star Wars is just kind of ubiquitous. It's always relevant. Exactly. I mean, we have all these new... Uh, all these new stories coming out from that franchise. It's like, you know, why not, uh, you know, highlight you know, one of the better uh, spoofs of this? I, I would say the second best spoof of it is the three Family Guy films, which honestly kind of takes a very similar <laughs> approach to its comedy. Right, guys? Yeah, I remember seeing those. Yeah, what, what, what do you think of that? It's been a while since I've seen those. I need to recap on those. Yeah, I mean... I remember, like, you know, Blue Harvest, that, that one feels like a modern-day re redux of Spaceballs, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, this movie, I mean, its script is just so on point in so many ways. I mean... Oh, it's, it's very intelligent. And, and, and that's even taking into account some... Uh, some improv on, from my understand, uh, Rick Moranis's part. Rick Moranis. Oh, really? Yeah. Let, yeah, let's talk about Rick Moranis here a little bit. The best part of the movie? Oh, he's mm -hmm. so amazing here, guys. I mean, Robert, what did you think when you first saw him just, just come out of nowhere and just come from the, the center of the screen and then, you know, like, he just takes it off and he's like, I can't breathe in there, and it's Rick Moranis. <laughs> like, that's such a perfect reveal. Obviously, he could breathe in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Or he could breathe, he didn't need the helmet, right? <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> and that that's a great part, running gag, that's a part of his character, is that, you know, he's alternating between the uh, dark helmet face mask, and then he opens it up, and, he, and that's where he really just kind of, in a way, becomes an audience avatar, you know? Because yes. throughout the movie, he is just constantly calling out the bullshit in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one questioning it, right? Like, like a classic scene is uh, when he's trying to uh, when he's trying to uh, threaten the king of uh, the planet Geridia uh, with uh, you know, with like uh, regressing his daughter's uh, plastic surgery and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he gets the, uh, the code to the airlock for that, that surrounds the atmosphere of planet Geridia and it's literally just, you know, and, and this is, uh, you know, very common even nowadays, you know, with passwords and everything. It's literally one, two, right. three, four, four. five, <laughs> six. And then he just pulls up his, uh, his voice. He's like, that's the stupidest passcode I've ever heard. That's so stupid. Only an idiot. That's what an idiot would use for his luggage. Oh, man. Okay, so when I did uh, tech support for a well-known Fortune 500 company that also happens to be the name of Fruit, yeah, I came across a guy whose uh, iPad got stolen, and his, uh, the, you know, the, the guy that stole the iPad got access to his entire account because it was on the iPad, and he had you know, two-factor authentication tied to the iPad, right? Here's the thing, though. He left his passcode. I asked him, you know, I said, uh, you know, did you have a passcode on? He goes, yeah, one, two, three, four. Oh. 
That's oh. what happened. You gave them access by making your passcode. You gave them keys to your account. God <laughs> damn it. Before, that's like the first thing somebody would try. Exactly. <laughs> that's the first thing that somebody would try. And but he's like, well, I just wanted something my kids could enter. And I'm like, but oh. is, isn't it isn't it hilarious though that you know even back in nineteen this was like nineteen eighty seven right even back in the late eighties that was a thing you know that that was even a joke I mean that that's hilarious to me yeah 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 no kidding you know? but yeah Dark Helmet is the one calling out all the stupid shit in this movie even getting exasperated by some of the goings on you know like. Like, like, like that scene where, you know, they have to use the uh, latest in uh, video marketing technology and uh, they pretty much fast forward to their point in the movie. It, it's you could tell it's such a mind fuck for both of him, both him and Robert Wyman. It's <laughs> yes. such a he's getting so thoroughly mind fucked by this. And, and he's trying to be like, and, and then he has that nice little uh, exchange with Wyman, you know, like who is like. Go back to then, but then is now. It's like, when is now? You know? And then, and then he becomes so exasperated at the end of it where he's just like, like, when? Where? Whom? <laughs> His reaction to that is just the best part of that. And, oh, wait, what was I going to say? Hold on. Okay, let, let's go. Let's go ahead and let's put on uh, Collateral Cinema, the Spaceballs episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, but wait a second. How can we do that? We're still making the episode. Well, you know what? There's a new podcasting uh, marketing technique uh, that allows you to actually spin out the episode, the MP3, the master file, while the podcast is being recorded. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but really, I mean, the script is great, but Rick Moranis did a lot of ad-libbing here as well. I mean, some of his more classic moments. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm not really sure which ones it was, which lines they were, but, you know, he, from what I understand, he did kind of go off script. The, yeah, that, that I like, I like to works. think that one moment where he uh, just goes to the camera and says, everybody got that? I have a feeling that would be a, that's a that feels like an ad lib right there. That part is fucking great. Yeah, I think I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Like Rick Moranis is honestly the best part of this movie. He steals it. He steals the entire movie. And this is a movie that has a, an amazing cast as well. Yeah. We got Bill Pullman as the Lone Star. We got uh, we got uh, Joan Rivers voicing Dot Matrix. John Candy. John fucking Candy. John Candy. Robin Zuniga, and I mean, yeah, John Candy, oh my God, he's so amazing, This and he went through so much for this role as well. Oh yeah, no, dude had to have a fucking battery pack that he was carrying the entire time in order to power the animatronic parts yeah. of his yeah, costume. The, like, like, he controlled the tail with a sensor in his palm, and there were like two other puppeteers that, uh, yeah, they, they, they worked his ears. Each. Each, one, one for each ear. Yeah, one for each ear. Yeah. It's like, man, I miss old school effects like that. Right, guys? They don't do that anymore. And, you know, and this was done by Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah. You know, which they originally did, you know, Star Wars. 
Well, that, that's George Lucas's uh, company. As I understand it, one fifth of the budget was put into the the special effects, right? Yeah, but that's because Mel Brooks insisted that this would be like as good, if not better, than Star Wars. Like so, five, yeah. five million, right? Just, just in special effects. Just in special effects, exactly. And 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 it looks it looks amazing to this day, like just like Star Wars. You know, I mean, it, it is aged like fine wine. It really has. No, it actually still holds up phenomenally well. And, and you know what's funny is like, you know, a lot of people like to make that joke and like be like, oh, well, Mel, Mel Brooks films wouldn't fly today. But yes, the fuck they would. In fact, they are. <laughs> he fucking just made History of the World Part 2 and released it on Hulu. Yeah. You know, although I will say that in the grand scheme of things, I would say that this is his most accessible movie. Yeah, probably 100%. because, I mean, it obviously doesn't have all the, you you know, the satire, racism of Blazing Saddles, and that has just racial epithets all over the place. Yeah, you know, but I mean, that's for but satirical effect. That's kind of the fucking point. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and and you know, I mean, the producers that had springtime for Hitler. Right, and you know, uh, let me think about some of his other films: um, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Young Frankenstein. Uh, young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein. bro. It's Frankenstein, Robert. Right, seriously. <laughs> Frankenstein. I remember. I haven't actually watched Blazing Saddles. That's the one Mel Brooks film that I haven't actually watched yet. And I know I need to. I just... Seriously? You haven't seen Blazing Saddles? No. I haven't seen it either. You haven't seen Blazing no. Saddles? No. What, what is wrong with you two? Another Gene Wilder film? Yeah, the, the immortal Gene Wilder, man. Yeah, Jesus Christ, dude. We've got to watch it then. Dude. I mean, no. he, was, he was great in Young Frankenstein. He was. I mean, he, he's amazing in that movie, yeah. Willy Wonka, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> I almost wish that he could have made a cameo in this movie. That would have been fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have been great. I mean, he would have still been active at that time. So, you know, this is like late 80s. You know, he would have been right. still somewhat actively making some movies at that time. Point. You know, he he still made some movies with like Richard Pryor in like the late seventies, early eighties. So, <laughs> remember you remember those movies? Yeah, you know, he was like, what, what what was it? It was like uh, Richard Pryor was a blind man and uh, Gene Wilder was a deaf man. Yeah, that was fucking fun. That was classic, fucking classic, man. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of surprising that we didn't get Gene Wilder in this movie. But yeah. but the casting is very inspired, though. I mean, I mean Robert Wyman as Colonel Sanders. You know, ah. I mean. We we do get a little bit of a uh, of a police academy reunion here with him and Michael Winslow, like Michael Winslow briefly uh, is in this movie, and you know of course he has his uh, his amazing you know vocal talents of uh, doing sound effects and all that, and he he gives a very classic moment there, you know like like the bleeps the bloops and the creeps, yeah yeah you know yeah, it's right. like that that's such. Such great banter right there. Oh, and, Michael Winslow's and, fucking great. And, and, and later and, on when they're combing in the desert, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they take that li literally. They're literally combing through the desert with ginormous cones, and then they get to the brothers. To, to brothers. The, to the black guys. And <laughs> absolutely, it's a fucking Afro, it's a, it's a fucking Afro pig. And then they say, we ain't found shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, fucking Mel Brooks. Always with his, his finger on the pulse of Black America. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! 
But yeah, that that's a classic. That that's just really indicative of his, you know, style of humor at that point. But also, I think it's kind of part of what made it so accessible. Is you know, kind of there's there's a corniness to this movie that's endearing. Yeah, you know, like I know Robert, you were talking about you had some concerns that maybe the the humor in this movie might be a little outdated, like. Yeah, some of the jokes, but like, like, I was like, I was on YouTube watching one guy's opinion though. Oh, I got yeah. you, bro. I got you. I'm just coming out of the woodwork because I hadn't seen this for in a while. Interestingly enough, we watched b- before we did this. We watched a bunch of YouTube reviews, and what's really cool is a lot of them were first time viewings of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting yeah. to watch. Like reactions now, and see, I watched this as a kid growing up, but it's been a while for yeah, me. Same here. I I I remember this very well when it came out. Like, I mean, it, it was a few years before my brother was born, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I remember this movie very well. I mean, I remember the original VHS uh, releases of Star Wars. Like, I remember seeing like uh, Return of the Jedi, or, or no, 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 it, it was Empire Strikes Back. I remember seeing that on uh, being played on. Uh, TVs at J.C. Penney's at like nice. fucking uh, Ingram Park Mall and Windsor Park Mall and shit. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember Circuit that Circuit City shit. and shit. Oh, I remember Chuck E. Cheese with the with the evil animatronics. Oh, they still move. Those fucking heads. evil goddamn bastards. I hated those things. Oh my god. I hated those things. But yeah, I mean, that's what's really great about this movie is that I mean, there's some adult humor here, but it's actually a like I said, it's an accessible movie. I mean, you can watch this with some younger kids still they could still it, and it's just the wit of the humor that you know actually drives it. it's not like necessarily gross out humor yeah you know and you know there were there was a uh there was an animated series that was uh, made in the late 2000s it was shown on g4 tv and it, it introduced a lot of that you know, a lot of that humor that was popular at that time, you know, that, that was like the heyday of adult swim and whatnot, you know. Yeah. It was that heyday of gross out humor, you know, and then it was also influenced by, you know, what came before it on like Nickelodeon in the nineties or whatever. But you know, I guess it kind of showed that, you know, I mean, even with Mel Brooks' involvement there is like just, you know, dumbing it down by making it grosser just didn't really make it better. Yeah, I could see you where know, that wouldn't really work. No, it, it it didn't feel right. And that was when, you know, Joan Rivers was still alive. I mean, John Candy had already passed away. May made both of them rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what makes this film work is just is just the writing and just the wit. You know, and, and like just just using that and not having to really rely on anything else is what works here. It's kind it's kind of why if you really like go on like Twitter and whatnot and you see like like there's a lot of gifs of this movie that they provide and everything it, it's almost all fucking dark helmet and Colonel Sanders almost all of it <laughs> Colonel <is>. Sanders chicken <laughs> <laughs> oh man I mean the best like I think one of their best interactions is the ludicrous speed scene right <laughs> I mean he totally it's like I mean they think that they have the uh they pretty much have Lone Star and his Winnebago and everything, but then they go to hyperspeed, and then they're just like, "Well, what?" He, Dark Hammer's like, "What do we have here? A Quizzen art?" It's like, but then they're like, "Go prepare to go to hyperactive speed." It's like, "No, that's that's not fast enough. We need to go to ludicrous speed." And then like, uh, Robert Wine is like to ridiculous speed to ludicrous speed to ludicrous speed, and then they just overtake the uh, Winnebago, and it's like, 
They're, they've gone full plaid. It's like they've gone plaid. Didn't uh didn't Tesla do a thing with that with like the the light speed uh I think so, speed, plaid but, speed. Uh screw Tesla though. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Elon Musk anyway. Yeah, fuck him. We have him blocked on Twitter. I would have got I would have got actual... I, I blocked him, yeah, on, on the collateral cinema account, I blocked him on Twitter. Him and Donald Trump. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. But in any way, we we definitely didn't block Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is on Twitter, so oh hell yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, shout out to Mel if you're if you're listening, my man. Yeah, check check out his uh, History of the World Part Two. Yeah, that's another movie I have. It's History of the World Part One, which is an interesting uh, interesting concept. It's just kind of like a vignettes, more or less. You know, it more more than just like a a cohesive story. But yeah, uh, yeah, that one gets pretty crude in its own right. That's actually a pretty crude movie, but a fun movie, though. But, man, I mean, going back to the effects, I think that it's, like, what do y'all think of Mega Maid? You know? Transformer. Just what uh, Industrial Light and Magic had to put into that. I mean, yeah, they eventually, they, they essentially made a Transformer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, looking at some of these, like, of some of these effects and, and wondering, like, what had to be made practically. Like, you have, you have to think about, like, how much they spent on doing just this, you know? Like, I know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 I mean, if you actually look at the set design, it's like, I mean, there was a, a lot of detail put into a lot of it, you yeah. know? Like, like for instance, uh, the uh, uh, Spaceballs 1 itself. I mean, the, the actual bridge. I mean, it, it does have that classic sci-fi feel, but it also... You know, it has that obvious Star Wars influence, you know? Yeah, but then some of the merchandising is just, like, Transformers merchandise with Oh, Space yeah, balls. that's right. It's Yeah, that, that's because, I mean, going back to what we said earlier, you know, they couldn't merchandise. They couldn't yep. make merchandise of this shit. They couldn't make toys or anything. <laughs> so, I mean, Yogurt, who is the Yoda analog here, played by Mel Brooks, like, he, he opens, he's pretty much just like, you know, yeah, we do merchandising here. <laughs> you know, and they come up with all this absurd merchandising, and, and the prop... Yeah, yeah, the prop department didn't give a fuck. They were just like, I mean, whatever. Let's just get a bunch of merchandise from other properties and let's just fucking uh, put space balls on it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's space balls with flamethrower, which I'm pissed is not a thing. Mm. God damn it. Mm. That's what George, George Lucas took that from us. He <laughs> took space balls, the flamethrower from us. We could have had that, man. God damn it. Yeah. Weren't you inquiring about how easy it would be to get an actual flamethrower? I was I was inquiring, yes. That would be interesting. Yeah, I uh for for scientific purposes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for science. For science, but mm-hmm. also the other tragedy, we never got the yogurt doll. May the Schwartz be with you. Uh-huh. You know what? <laughs> I I love that uh Mel Brooks does yogurt and President Scrooge. Yeah, that's right. And per- President Scrooge, that's an anagram of Brooks. Right. right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, he, he straight up played both uh, both characters. I mean, apparently, uh, Yogurt took a lot out of him. I mean, the gold makeup that he used gave him rashes and everything, and, you know, that that, that caused him a lot of grief. You, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that went through a little bit of uh, grief to make this movie. You know, you know John Candy, of course, aforementioned. Yeah. And also the uh, actress that was actually in the Dot Matrix costume. That was a... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was actually a, a, a pantomime. 
And yeah, eventually, she was originally supposed to have uh, speaking lines, but apparently uh, Mel Brooks was just like, no, it's not, it's not good enough. Let, let's get Joan Rivers. And Joan Rivers, bless her heart, she fucking came in. She didn't even know anything about the movie nope. or anything, anything about the script. And she pretty much encapsulated that, that character, which is amazing because, I mean, Dot Matrix looks like Joan Rivers did at that time. And she wrote some of the jokes, right? Yeah, she, she, she wrote some of the jokes for it as well. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, virgin alarm. <laughs> like, that scene is amazing. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, Missy. You're, you're not. It's like, I'm, I'm, it goes off before you do. Or something like that. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about Bill Pullman as Lone Star. Yeah, this There's, was, uh, he was relatively unknown at the time, right? Pretty much. I mean, he, I, I think that uh, Mel Brooks and his wife, they saw him in a, a play and they were just like, oh no, we got to have him for a movie. So they, they cast him as Lone Star. And apparently he never even seen a Star Wars movie. Bill Pullman. Yeah, and it's funny because he's actually kind of an amalgam of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And what's awesome, it works. It it totally works, right? Yeah. Like, Robert, I mean, how would you play that character? Sort of like an Indiana Jones type, right? That's that's arguably kind (laughs) of what it is more than Mm -hmm. anything. It's like, I mean, apparently his appearance is even more of a reference to Indiana Jones because, I mean... That, that's kind of the other caveat that Lucas had is that they didn't want uh, Lone Star to look too much like Han Solo. Yeah. And so, so that, that's kind of why they combine both uh, Skywalker and Solo and, and Lone Makes Star. And, and yeah, the jacket that he's wearing, that's more like an Indiana Jones jacket. It's 100% Indiana Jones. And j- just, just the fact that he wasn't even a fan of the source material, it, it kind of got a fresh take on this type of character right a very yeah. fresh take on the satire i think really that's kind of what you need to do with these sorts of movies you know what i mean is like you need to have like members of the cast that like aren't even necessarily fans of the the source material that just that haven't watched it you know that way you kind of have that like fresh take yeah but also i mean it, it allows him to kind of uh you know approach the character with a little bit of uh, the serious that it needs you know yeah like, I mean, there, there's kind of a, I mean, you really, really kind of feel like Bill Pullman is like really, truly exasperated with Prince Vespa and everything. Like, you feel that exasperation. You just, but in a way, him and Prince Ve- Princess Vespa, they're kind of the same character in a way. Yeah, when I you really mean, think about they're it. even like mirroring each other, right? Like, they're, they're basically, they're doing the same thing. They're both complaining about each other and, and then confronting each other at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they are exactly the same type of character. And, you know, they, they, they even reject love, which is like, you motherfuckers aren't arrow. Come on now. <laughs> not only an arrow. What? It's like, and, and you're definitely not, not ace or anything. It's like, I, I don't know why they always make these characters, these, these ro- romantic partners, you know, seem almost ace or demi at first. It's like, come on now. <laughs> Come on, you you know that Lone Star is laying in that space tail. Come oh yeah, now. no, yeah, no. He's he's uh he's definitely like a scoundrel type. You know, he's fucking. Oh, he he's has fucking to be. bitches across the galaxy. Absolutely right, right, pimping, big pimping. <laughs> you know, Han Solo was too. Oh yeah, you know that Han Solo was all over that galaxy, right? <laughs> Captain Kirk. 
Captain Kirk, of course. Oh, that that's pretty much canon in, in the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he just he bed all kinds of women. He, he was just had banging a, girls. He even had bang, bang. Uhura. Bang, 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 bang. Even Uhura, man. And actually, oh, um, he was a bisexual icon. Fuck yeah, man. So totally you know, bisexual. He was, he was banging space dudes too. Do you think that he was uh, banging McCoy? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at one point Spock, Kirk, and McCoy did a menage a trois just for the fuck of it. Wow, that is an interesting th- image to to conjure up. Very interesting, right? I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. Oh, come on, Robert. Come on now. Like you wouldn't pay to see that. You wouldn't pay to see Kirk and McCoy and Spock like that. Oh, come on. Don't be silent. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I'm uh, <laughs> just playing with you, dude. Speaking of Star Trek, I love the uh, I love the the beaming scene because you know they're like like beam, beam me down, snotty, and then you know they actually say, oh well, it worked in Star Trek. Well, it worked in Star Trek, <laughs> and then he he just becomes the backwards man. He's a literal backwards man. Backwards man, man the backwards man. I can walk backwards, backwards fast as you can. Backwards man, the backwards man. I can walk backwards fast as you can. <laughs> And, and yeah, he, he does have a ginormous ass too. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's the galaxy's ass. The galaxy's ass. That 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 is uh that's uh, baseball's space, ass. That's baseball's ass. Planet ass. ass. Planet planet spaceballs ass right there. Right there. Absolutely. The ass of the of <laughs> planet spaceballs. I love how um President Scroob is always getting inter- interrupted by um by the commanderette too. Always, always at the most inopportune times. You know, he's either he's either getting down on the uh, on Marlene and Charlene, and or, or he's uh, using some Perrier, or he's or taking pissing. a piss <laughs> straight up in the middle of taking a piss. Wait, I thought this wall was supposed to be. <laughs> this is an unlisted wall. Unlisted wall. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, oh, we mentioned the beaming scene, but we didn't even talk about the fact that like they, they do the whole beaming bit, right? He gets right. he gets beamed back, and then and then he's like, "Fuck it, well, you know, I'm just gonna walk now." And he just walks in, and it's the next room and over. It's the next room over. Everybody's like, "Hail Scroob!" It's those little gags like that in this movie that get me. It really is, man. Those are awesome, awesome fucking gags. I, I like, for instance, another good. Good little side character. I love the fucking uh, priest that tries to marry Princess Vespa off to Prince Valium. All right, I'm gonna marry two people. I don't care who. Yeah, he he's so fucking done with it. He's just like <laughs> no. It's like in the end, he's just speed, he speed runs through it. He's just like, do you? Do you? Okay, good. You're married. Kiss. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I think I would get kind of exasperated like that as well. A little seriously. Bit. If I was in his his shoes. I mean, she ran away the first time. This was the second time they put the ceremony together, like, and it just keeps getting interrupted. Nah, fuck that shit. I'm like, marrying somebody. It's like, God damn it, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, planet Druidian. Underneath the air shield, 10,000 years of fresh air. We must get through that air shield. We will, sir. Once we kidnap the princess, we can force her father, King Roland, to give us the combination to the air shield thereby destroying planet Druidia and saving planet Spaceball. Everybody got that? Spaceballs, the movie. Princess Vespa spaceship within range, sir. Good. Good. 
4th of July, or someone's trying to kill us! Now we will show her who is in charge of this galaxy. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Slotkin will give your daughter back her old nose! Only one man and his trusted companion can save planet Druidia from disaster. Okay, Eagle Five, coming in. Omstar. First, they must learn the secrets of yogurt. Yogurt? I am the keeper of a greater magic. The Force? No, the Schwartz. Avoid capture on a distant planet. Come up to comb the desert, you hear me? Comb the desert! Found anything yet? We ain't found. Battled the entire Spaceball army. My hair! He shot my hair! Holy! And escaped the clutches of Dark Helmet. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Abandon ship, proceed to escape pods. What the hell's the matter with this seat, fella? When does this happen in the movie? Give me balls! Spaceballs. The movie. How do I know you're not making faces at me under that thing? Well, I mean, since that's near the end of the movie, we should just talk about when Spaceball 1 is actually defeated. Yeah, and then we get the Planet of the Apes. Right there. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, I mean, there, there, there's kind of a uh, little trope that that Mel Brooks likes to do in some of his movies where, I mean, things just evolve into chaos near the mm-hmm. end. He did it in Blazing Saddles, and he did it here, and it's so hilarious. I mean, everything just starts coming down to shit, and then you hear the that kicking fucking theme song, bro. Spaceballs! <laughs> yes, I agree. I think, and, and just like the cast of the ship, and what's funny is every single other person in the ship is able to fucking get onto an escape pod. With the dude with the timpanis. Yeah. Doing the fucking boom, 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 boom. boom. Oh, yeah. Except for the, the three of them. It's like. <laughs> uh, Scroob and. Uh, Scroob, Helmet, Helmet, and uh, Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. It's like, like like the bearded lady gets one, fucking uh, the the bear gets one. Yeah, it's I I love that there's like all of a sudden a bunch of pizza chefs that come out of nowhere. There's fucking acrobats and shit, jugglers, it's like fucking it's it just complete insanity. <laughs> and then yeah, that one Planet of the Apes reference, <laughs> dude's just like, oh, space balls is like, oh, oh shit, there, there goes, goes the planet, the pla- there goes the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just can't have space balls come in, right? No, no, yeah, no, fuck the space balls, right? And then you mentioned the pizza, and I got me thinking, pizza the hut, pizza the so, hut. A lot, of, I would say, a lot of people would say that he's the most memorable character, voiced by Dom DeLuise, and yeah. apparently that that prop was actually made out of pizza. Oh no way! Yeah, and you know they had to keep it melty by putting a bunch of hot lights on it, and the the person, the puppeteer inside the costume, he was starting to get burned up in there. He was starting to literally get baked in a bunch of pizza. So they so, had to take over. Somebody else had to take over, right? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, 
as an effect, it's it's striking, I guess. Kind of gross. Uh, I mean, that's really, real pizza, apparently. It's like, real oh, pizza. Okay. We do it for the art. Yeah. You would do it, Rebo. I don't know. You what know, if it was vegan pizza, Bo? Now you're just making me hungry. You do it for you a pizza. You want to go get some Pizza Hut? <laughs> There's no Pizza Hut open right now. Come on now. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I can dream, Bo. We can dream. Yeah, right. We can dream, man. Yeah. <laughs> dream, dream, dream. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man. But yeah, there, there's so many great, great fucking sequences. But there's also some good little cinematic flourishes to this movie, even homages to other movies. Like, for instance, the scene where they enter Yogurt's temple. That is pretty much a note-for-note reshoot of the uh, scene in the wizard of oz where they finally meet the uh, the the mighty oz yeah in fact they even have like what looks like i don't know if you know i don't know if it's the exact positions but it's the same fucking like like the characters match the characters in the wizard of oz right you've got uh uh the cowardly lion you've got the tin man you've got dorothy and you've got so, uh um uh, the scarecrow like what if what if like this is like some weird kind of stealth homage to it's, it's just a pretty much the story of of the wizard of oz somehow <laughs> yeah in some you know twisted it, way. In some twisted weird way yeah i mean Oh, I, I think we mentioned like Futurama too, right? Yeah, that's right. This this is like Futurama before Futurama. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it it it, it kind of has that same kind of wit to it. Yeah, you know, I see it, what you mean. Even some joke, even some jokes that wouldn't have been out of place in or at least early Futurama. You know, I mean, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that Matt Groening is said that he is uh, like a Mel Brooks fan, so. You know, I mean, how can you make, how can you not be a Mel Brooks fan? Right. Like like if you're in like the world of, of comedy, cinema, television, you, you can't like. Yeah, you can't not be a Mel Brooks fan. Right. I know. Right. I mean, his influence is, you know, just felt throughout all of the comedic uh, cinema. More or less, you know, kind of like how Monty Python is reverberates, and you know, I feel like that—that's kind of out of like anything else. That's what Mel Brooks's style most reminds me of. I guess is is like Monty Python. I mean, and we we got like you know this kind of this like clever writing, um, clever branch of humor that I've seen in other the, stuff like the, Deadpool. The, the only yeah, yeah, I mean, he did kind of, the the Pythons and Mel Brooks did kind of perfect the uh, meta, breaking the fourth wall kind of humor. Yeah. They kind of uh, perfected that. I don't know if they really invented it, but they perfected it at least. And it's not just breaking the fourth wall, but being meta, right? Yeah. Criticizing but like your the, the, self-parody. The main difference that I would say between Mel Brooks and the Pythons is, of course, you know, the Pythons are a little overeducated, you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, they, they, they were injecting, like, you know, philosophy in their shit and whatnot, you know? They, they were definitely leaned a lot heavier into it. They, they leaned a lot heavier into, uh, a lot heavier into, you know, banter and wordplay and whatnot, you yes. know? Yes. Like you know the spam the, the spam and eggs. Uh, see, was like I don't like spam. It's like just just an entire menu of just nothing but spam. It's yeah. like that. I mean, that that's shit that wouldn't. Uh, it really wouldn't be out of place in a Mel Brooks movie. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. 
You know, I, I kind of like, I was actually drawing parallels while we were watching it. I mean, we actually watched this several times together. We watched it a few times. It, it's, <laughs> it's actually such a rewatchable movie. It's, it is, it's amazing. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've pretty much been watching it nonstop these last few days before we recorded this. And I mean, it's never tiresome. It's even good as just background noise, you know? It's a, Seriously. It's a great background noise movie, and it's a great movie to just sit down and actually watch and take in and, you know, take in the script, take in the writing, the take in the, you know, the screenplay itself is great as well, you know, because it utilizes all that, you know, great industrial light and magic uh, uh, special effects. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it all leads up to a uh, quite possibly one of the better spoof movies of its, of its time, you know? I would say influential to the spoof genre really very influential i mean yeah. there were other movies before like of course airplane you know and right then, then then you had like the naked gun movies and then the, you know eventually hot shots and then you know get into your scary movie and whatnot and then you see it kind of decline but bell brooks was a huge uh huge part of making uh spoof movies like this work yeah you know like, like you could probably make kind of a direct line between some early, uh, like, like Young Frankenstein to like Airplane, you know? You're right, definitely. You know, m much like you could say, you know, Monty Python was a spoof movie in its own right. It was a spoof of, uh, you know, Many the people. Arthurian legend. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, I, I wish that spoof movies were better now. That That's why I, I would like to see the new History of the World movie. Just to kind of see, you know, where he goes with it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I'm, I'm actually really interested in. I that. mean, it's it's got like Nick Crawl in it. It's got you know Seth Rogen. It's got a lot of people. I mean, much like the original History of the World Part One, but this movie is just fucking fantastic, man. I mean, it's great to just get high to. Seriously. Like, and it's 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 kind of a it's got a cute little love story between. Uh, Two absolute narcissists. <laughs> you know, like I said, Vespa and Lone Star, they're very much the same character. So, I mean, yeah, of course they, they'd be into each other. Right. And, you know, it's like they fall in love and they're ready to get married after having, you know. All of six or seven actual conversations with each other. right? <laughs> See, I'm the, the, once again, allosexuals are weird. Allos are weird. <laughs> I um I love how like off the wall this movie is with its script too. Like there's just this one scene with the you know the the alien scene, right? Oh yes, and it it doesn't really contribute anything else to like the overall narrative. It brings it just it brings <laughs> John Hurt back in the the same role as brings as in John alien? motherfucking Hurt, the War Doctor himself. Mm -hmm. Fucking yeah, the War Doctor himself. They got John Hurt. To come in and reprise his role. And he didn't even know that's what they were doing when he came on set. He was just like, oh, wait, really? We're, we're doing the alien bit again? Uh, but then man, you man, man had my man's Mr. Ollivander just completely in the dark until he got on set. I know. And, and, and you know, just it's pretty much a note for note, uh, like spoof of the uh, scene in Aliens. You know? Yeah, no, he just does one, the one, exact one guy, thing. One guy at one point is like, screws the water, he needs a Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> this was after he ate the special at the diner, you know, and, you know, Barf, he, he ordered the special, and uh, Lone Star ordered the soup, 
And then this uh, monster comes out, puts a little hat on, tips his fedora and says, Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Won't you send me a wire? I'll send you a smile. Like, it was really it. funny watching like reactions to that bit too, right? Everybody's just like, stupid. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and it is, dude, honestly, here's what it is. It's a big-lipped alligator moment. Yeah. That's what it is. It, 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 it's a big-lipped alligator moment. It, it, it even has a song, it even has a song sequence that contributes nothing to the fucking plot whatsoever. Nothing, but you know what? Fuck it. It's, it, it needed to be there. It's part of the, the cinema, you know, it's like, just imagine like Mel Brooks. Okay, so listen, John, this is essential to the story, okay? <laughs> and it's you not. You have to do this. No, it's not. Nothing in that scene <laughs> contributes anything. They're, they're, just literally chill, they're just literally chilling in a fucking diner. Yeah. But of course, you know, Barf is just like, they, you know, they're both like, check please, and they get the fuck out of there. But there's a little Easter egg there. The Millennium Falcon is parked in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Which has an interesting implication, right? Yeah. Yeah, like that That uh, some version of the Star Wars characters exist within the Mel Brooks Spaceballs universe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Robert, what do you think? I mean, what if, what if these two universes were really in the same universe, man? It's like, what if there was some weird overlap? Like, it's literally just, just the next ga galaxy over. That could very well happen, right? Right. Pretty much at the same truck stop, right? Practically. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the Miles Eisley Cantina scene of this mm -hmm. of this movie. Yeah, I I would imagine. Because I mean, yeah, we don't really have anything that comes close to that. They're just missing the the Futurama spaceship. That's it. I know, right? <laughs> Planet, Planet Express ship. Yeah. <laughs> All in the same universe would be cool. Yeah, what what if it what if it's just part of the multiverse and you know Futurama's universe is the next universe over? There you go. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I love how the uh, the uh, the Millennium Falcon, if you think about it, basically is a Winnebago in space, it, right? It is. Oh. A, yeah, it it's is just a, a spaceship equivalent of that. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, a spaceship equivalent of a, of just driving a big ass RV. Yeah. Yeah. But I I love the design of the of the Winnebago though. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it literally is just an old school Winnebago, just fitted like a spaceship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, near the end, Lone Star become finds out that he's a prince, right? Yep. And it's because of that one fortune cookie that uh, that yogurt gave him, you know. And I mean, it, it's totally a MacGuffin moment, honestly. But it's like. It's it's doing it intentionally. It's self-aware. It's very intentional. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're a prince, by the way. <laughs> so you could go and marry your princess. It, yeah, it, it's very convenient, but, I mean, it's it's kind of telegraphed a little bit, you know? This movie actually is very predictable, right? That's the interesting thing about a lot of those first-watch videos that we watched on YouTube even though a lot of these people were, they, they were straight up predicting a lot of the things that were happening in this movie, like the Planet of the Apes scene or, yeah. you know, the, the whole, you know, screw walking in oh, after trying to beam into the other room, walking into the next room. But like you know, thing, but what's weird about that is it's so predictable, yet it executes it perfectly. It's the jokes land. <laughs> yeah, it's still <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that Planet of the Apes scene, I was waiting for like Charles Heston to pop up, you know? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, Charles and Heston, 
I, I don't know. He would have uh, probably, probably looked down on this movie. Probably left his asshole. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he played like Moses, right? I forgot what he played. But yeah, he's a high-paid actor, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is great ensemble. I guess we can get into final thoughts, right? Yeah. I mean, great ensemble cast here. A fucking runaway performance by Rick Moranis. I mean, he is just like the face of this movie as far as I'm concerned. You know, and also great performances by John Candy. May he rest in peace. He, he actually had a birthday not too long ago. You know, so, yeah, happy birthday to John Candy. You know, and much love to his family and his son and everything. And I mean, you have you have a script that is just, you know, spot on even to this day. And Industrial Light and Magic did the effects. It, so it, you know that it was going to age well, you know, as most of their effects do. And, I mean, it's, it's also such a loving homage to the Star Wars and to the spaceship sci-fi genre in, in general. Yeah. You know? I mean, you could see the love in here. And that's why there's, there's nothing cynical about this movie. You know, which is kind of interesting. I mean, it's, the last time I said that, it was clueless, you know? I mean, it, it's not a very cynical kind of humor. Yeah. Yeah, surprisingly enough, right? Right. Ash, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Spaceballs is not only a perennial classic, it's not only a great comedy film, uh, a great spoof film, um, a, a fantastic uh, space opera of its own right. Um, but it, it is also filled with just legendary performances from uh, the best cast that you could possibly hope for in this sort of a film. And, and didn't, uh, didn't Mel Brooks originally want like Tom Hanks or Tom, Tom Cruise to be on this, in this movie? Yeah, yeah. But they, they, they both rejected it. They both rejected it, and we got Bill Pullman instead. And I think that works because, I mean, you do have John Candy and you have Joan Rivers. Uh, as kind of the bigger names, and then you've got Bill Pullman actually playing the protagonist. Yeah, and I mean, he he really just brings a good little charm to the role. So, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, stellar performances from all the cast members involved. Uh, genius writing on the part of Mel Brooks. Uh, every everything about Spaceballs is is just fantastic, and it's not even my favorite Brooks movie. I don't think so. It just goes to show how far up it can go from here. <laughs> Definitely. And, and just, just the fact that he's, he's in his 90s. He, he just made another movie. Damn straight. What once a chat. Once again, yes, you can make a Mel Brooks movie. He made it. He made he one. Is making, Mel Brooks is making Mel Brooks movies. <laughs> exactly. So, Robert, what are your final thoughts on Spaceballs, man? Um... Honestly, it's a good movie to watch, even if you hadn't seen it in a while. And, you know, I hadn't really watched it all the way through in a while. And, you know, I've only seen it a few times. So it's kind of like watching watching it again is kind of like it's brand new to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, how do you think it held up? I mean, it, held, it holds up really well. It still holds up to this day. I mean, the humor and Rick Moranis' performance, of course. Oh, absolutely. St steals the show. Yeah. And uh, giving somebody like Bill Pullman, who's a great actor, like a shot, you know? Yeah. Well, what did he go on to, to do? Didn't Wasn't he in 
Was he the one who was in Twister? Or is that Bill Paxton? That's Paxton, right? That's Paxton. Right? Uh, Bill Pullman is uh, he, like Casper and Casper, yeah. uh, Lake Placid, right? Yeah, that's right. He was in Lake Placid. Exactly. We, we got to do Lake Placid on the fucking podcast sometime. That's a great movie in its own right. With Betty White. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, fuck Betty yeah. White. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Bay? Oh, definitely. I mean, come on now. It's Betty White. Yeah, Bay White? Is that, is Bay that White, man. About? Yeah, Bay White. It's like, come on now. But yeah, I mean, Robert, you, yeah, it, it is. A, you do bring up a good point there about all that. But honestly, I'll, I'll probably watch it again a few more times. Honestly, you should buy it for your, your collection, man. I mean, it, yeah, it's, I was, a, it's, it's a good movie to have on hand. I was watching like a, a Blu-ray 28th uh, anniversary or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is like a... Is it 28 years or 30 years? It's, it it's about of... 30 years now, but I know there was like a 28 special edition that came on Blu-ray, you know? Yeah, and, and I happen to have the uh, 25th anniversary edition, which is a dual, uh, a dual DVD uh, release, and it has apparently a uh, commentary track that's just all of the dinks, you know? Dink, yes! Dink, 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 We need to watch that. Oh, that I I will sit through the entire movie with them just going ding 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 ding. It's like fuck yeah, man. It's it's kind of like listening to shit pickle on on the fucking angry video. Shit pickle, shit pickle, shit pickle, shit pickle, shit pickle, shit pickle, pickle shit. That shit. It's it's kind of like that a little bit. So, oh shit, we turned the podcast off. Turn it back on. Turn it back on, man. Hit the button. Okay, okay, okay. Hit hit, hit the fucking button. Oh, okay, okay. We're back on. Good. Uh, We're back. So, Bo, what is coming up next on Collateral Cinema? Well, we are going into the home stretch of season six. We got two more episodes left here. The first one is going to be the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, and we're going to have Derek from. Hindsight movie reviews back on the show for that one. And then we are going to do our season finale, which is going to be Corvette Summer, starring Mark Hamill and Annie Potts. That was chosen by Robert. And we are going to have the Spy Hearts podcast on that one, which is going to be all kinds of interesting because I think we've only had one other moment where we had a, one other episode where we had uh, a guest host on the podcast on the season finale. And I think that was uh, Megan Price, right? On, on, on a season finale, on yeah. On a season finale, yeah, for Princess Yeah, we had Pride. Megan on, on the podcast twice Yeah, for our season finale, actually. <laughs> and this time around... Or no, once for our pet finale. Well, yeah, it was once. But this time around, we're going to have, uh, you know, our friends from Spy Hearts come over. They, they helped us out on the uh, Star Wars episodes. They were guest hosts on those. When well, we did the prequel trilogy the episodes prequel trilogy. Last, uh, or yeah. Epi- yeah, last season. Last season. So it'll be a lot of fun to have them back on the, on the podcast. So, yeah, look for that. Also, we should be doing a new commentary uh, on Patreon. And, yeah, we're getting morbed. That's right. It's going to be Morbin time again. That's right. We are going to watch Morbius. Morbin time. The Morbiest movie of all. The Morbin, Stinks, the Morbin Morbs. Got to make it happen. It has to happen. We finally actually showed Robert this movie. Robert, what, what, what's your initial take on that movie real quick? Just a, just a quick hot take on the movie. Uh, just want to start dancing, you know? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> have sex. <laughs> we have to get warped again. We have to warp again on the podcast. We There's have no to. Other way. We, we have to. And honestly, but yeah, y'all going to have to pay to hear that. Honestly, you know? I want to start dancing and throwing spoons at the screen. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty much like the room of superhero movies. I think it's, but at least the room of Marvel movies. Yeah. And uh, I've, uh, this month, we do have both Rocky, or sorry, <laughs> Rocky Creed 3 and um, and Scream 6 coming out. So one or both of those movies I would like to cover this month. And we've got to do Cocaine Bear. I know. We do we, need we to address need, fucking Cocaine we Bear. Need we need to we, fucking do Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Because we did Ant-Man last month, and, like, we could have done Ant-Man and Cocaine Bear, honestly, or... <laughs> yeah, we, we could have, but, I mean, we did Or we could have just done Cocaine Bear, right? Yeah, we should have just done Cocaine Bear. Ant-Man was just, eh. I liked it. I liked it. Eh. I did. I did. Honestly, it did. Um, it was beginning of Phase 5 or whatever. I, but I am underwhelmed. Stay tuned for more Collateral Cinema at the Movies Edition episodes. On uh, Collateral Gaming, we are going to be talking about the Ace Attorney trilogy. Really excited to do that. Uh, that's going to be uh, kind of the second part of a collab with Collateral Cinema when we recently did the uh, Ace Attorney movie. Well, you know, I'm just going to have to bitch you slap you upside the face with these updated autopsy reports. <laughs> That's what I'm going to have to do here. <laughs> with this motherfucking updated autopsy report. <laughs> motherfucking updated autopsy reports. <laughs> it's like, what? Did Gumfuck not tell you? Did Gumfuck salary tell cut, you? Salary cutting noises. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shove my entire cravat up your ass because you're fucking wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, the Ace Attorney Trilogy, so excited to get into it. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's what we got planned for this month. Um, and then uh, April, of course, is uh, Bad Game Month. Uh, we've got a couple of bad games lined up that I will reveal at a later date, give you some suspense. But we are doing uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day on as our 420 special, and then Zelda Tears of the Kingdom as our season finale. So Excellent. Yeah, that's kind of the rest of the collateral gaming schedule this uh, season. Hell yeah. Sounds like fun. And Robert, what do you think? Is Texas Sundown becoming a thing soon? Nah. No? Nah. God damn it, Robert. <laughs> Robert, we need, to, we need to teach you about, about marketing and how, how to sell your movie. No, nah, we're good. Nah. No, no, we already know how to sell a movie. You can show ass to show sell Show ass movie. to sell. Yeah, Robert, Robert when are you going to show ass to sell movie? I got the perfect dimples for it. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for Collateral Media OnlyFans. Yeah, no, Collateral Media OnlyFans is just going to be Robert. We're almost pretty much done with Texas Sundown. Just like a few more scenes, and then we'll start putting it together. Excellent. Ooh, we've got the yeah. ending done. It, oh, oh yeah. shit. Middle ending done, just like I said. We just need the beginning, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Oh. Can't wait, dude. Hell yeah. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully, it'll be a, you know, a hit. Hopefully it will. Yeah. Big break. I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of like thinking, you know, you can take it or leave it, you know. Well, whatever. You know, you just you just got to stars got to start somewhere. Exactly, of, right. That's why I wanted right. to put two different versions of it, like a cartoon layout version too, you know. Really? And and a western layout version, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe we need to cut a promo for it here pretty soon. Yeah. Stick yeah, look 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 for that. Look for Texas Sundown the merchandise. Texas Look Sundown, the, mer the merchandise. Texas Sundown, the car mats. Look for <laughs> Texas Sundown 2, Texas Blood Money. <laughs> Texas Blood Money. And, 
Actually, on a serious note, stay, stick around for Collateral Cinema, the merchandise. Merchandise. Yeah, no, we're going to have Collateral Cinema, the t-shirt, Collateral Cinema, the 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 hat. Exactly. The, the, we, the will have, we will have oh, that. Okay. Yeah, we will have that coming very soon. The and thermos. Robert, we are going to make a very special shirt just for you. Cool. You're going to have a very, and we're going to sell it. And it's going to have your face on it. My face on it. Yeah, your face. Probably going to say something like, I can't. I can't. I won't. You talk to my agent. I didn't talk to my agent. <laughs> Childhood catchphrases. <laughs> I don't know, bro. Maybe we just need to sell that as a, an actual T-shirt, just with words. I can't. I won't talk to my agent. Talk to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> Pull string doll. We'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just have like an outline of you with your long hair. <laughs> make a Art Simpson pull doll. <laughs> <laughs> with the childhood catchphrases. Oh my god, oh my god. But yeah, anyway, that's what's coming up uh, in the world of collateral media. Yep. So, I guess uh, with all of that said, I'm Bo Asshole. I'm Robert Asshole. <laughs> and I'm Ashley Asshole. And I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. Lyle <laughs> Sender out. is a collateral media podcast all music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only please don't sue us we're poor